Uh... All right, if y'all will turn in your Bibles to Exodus, we are um, picking up in the middle of a chapter, but we're actually um, we're actually starting kind of a, a new section of this book. And I had a birthday, and now I'm embracing being 44, and I'm wearing these. So I'm just, just acknowledging it before I put them on. This is the first time I've done this from the pulpit. But um, somebody switched my Bible out. The writing is smaller now for some reason, and so here I am. But I don't want to distract you. This might be distracting, but me misreading it and skipping lines is more distracting. So anyway, um, so we're, we're, we're looking at, at Exodus uh, 13, verse 17. And Exodus 1 through 13 really is um, the story. If you're, if you're kind of summing up what has happened, Exodus 1 through 13 is the record of how God came to His people as they cried out to Him for help. And you remember as, as Moses, after he saw that God appeared to him in the burning bush, he went and told them of all that God had said and of all that he would do. And it says that they believed that God had visited them. That God had heard them and come to them. And that's what it says. It says God had heard them in their cries for help and came to deliver them. And so we have a record of how he came to his people and delivered them. Now, in these next few chapters, Exodus 13 through 18, this is the record of how God went with his people on their pilgrimage, went with them into the unknown, into the desert. And it's this, these, these uh, chapters, 13 through 18, record the first two months of their journey. And, uh, and a lot happens. But this, this section, this, these, uh, these verses really are the, kind of the prologue if you will, the introduction of these first two months. And, uh, and if you have read Exodus or if you read ahead, it is quite the roller coaster. <laughs> um, they uh, are brought to the end of themselves, way before you know, uh, they really get into this journey. Um, the first two months, God really shows, not only demonstrates, appears and shows that He's with them, but He, he proves Himself time and time again that he is faithful and with his people and uh, will be their champion. And, and we'll see that in the coming weeks. So let's, let's read this uh, together, Exodus um, 13, 17 through 22. Before I do so, let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for the record of your faithfulness, the record of your rescue, the record of your faithful companionship. And we thank you for how you never change. And we only see these attributes and the beauty of your love and faithfulness. It only becomes more, more and more clear as redemptive plan unfolds. So Lord, we give you thanks. Lord, help us to see you, to see ourselves as we see this, this, the journey of, of, of Israel in the wilderness. And, and Lord, um, may we just lean into you, into your love and grace more. Um, by your word, through the preaching of your word, work this in, these truths into our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines 
although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, there's three, three, three points here, three things I want us to see. Uh, first, I want us to see that God is gracious in His guidance. Secondly, that He is constant in His companionship. And thirdly, that we can be confident in His covenant. Yes, I do like alliteration. Uh, Gracious in His guidance, constant in His companionship, and we can be confident in His covenant promises. So first, gracious in His guidance. You see as um, as we begin this, this, this intro to this section of God going with His people, that there is a strange turn, right? Literally, a strange turn. As they head out, as they've been set free, as they're be, being going out from Egypt, going east, instead of turning northeast and hugging the Mediterranean coastline, going, taking the direct route to the promised land. Again, uh, they know where it is. They, they know where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Barry, they know that this is the land of promise. Instead of going northeast, they take a turn right and go southeast. Almost the opposite direction of where their destination is. And um, this reminds me um, of my first trip to Ikea in Atlanta. Uh, We were we hadn't been married that long. We didn't have kids in the car. But, man, we managed to really have some yelling without kids in the car that trip. Uh, and here's what, here's what it is. I was really just convinced that I could get us there. Who's been to Ikea in Atlanta? It is... It is I remember being on the interstate and seeing the building. And I believe... No, it was on my left. And I'm going, I need to work left to get there. It's right there. You know, I can see it. And I'm not saying Ikea is the promised land. But if you like discounted cheap furniture, yes. Okay, but I'm looking and I'm going, I'm going to keep working left. And by the time I kept taking left turns and working my way, then, then it became over here. And somehow I, became, I got on the opposite side of it and further away. And finally, like a typical man, I said, you know, my wife's like, that, that's not the way to go. You, the, the direction. And so it was the most backwards way. But you know how the interstates all cross over. I had to work the opposite way. And then somehow we came through this, you know, line of buildings and bridges. And there it was. But I had to go the opposite direction. 
And um, to this day, that, that was probably one of our biggest, bigger fights as far as uh, navigation. Um, but once we got to Ikea, we didn't fight at all. Um, so anyway. Um, you know, here's God doing that. You know, I, 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 we, we think we know the way we, our life should go. We think we have a very clear idea of how... What, what God, you know, what we want to do, and if we're in Christ, what we think God wants us to do, and usually it's the it's the most direct path. And here is, you know, Israel's first lesson. Here's our lesson of God actually knows the best way, and the best way isn't always the direct way. Um, I, I've seen that in my life. You've seen that in your life. You know, I think, you know, as a young, if you're sitting here and you're and you're in high school, you think you you have a very clear idea, maybe, or a general idea of what what your what your life's going to look like and what you're going to do and who you're going to marry and the kind of person and you know and and then as, as you're sitting here at 44, going, none of that went the way I thought it would. I'm very glad with how it worked. But I could never have written the story. I never could have, you know, like I. You know, and I don't mean this to be offensive, but my plan in my twenties was not to live in Aniston. It really wasn't. But I'm so glad I'm here, right? And so, you know, this plays out. You know, am I trusting God to, to lead and guide me? And what does that look like? Is it this, you know, this bright light that I'm following? Is it the star like the wise men? No, it's just leaning in, trusting, praying, not knowing exactly how it's going to work out, but by faith and the confidence of the Lord taking that step. But He's leading, He's guiding, He's, he's and He knows the way. And my, my, when I knew I wanted to do RUF, and I've shared this story before, I thought, okay, well, God wants me to go to an established RUF. He wants me to stay in Mississippi. I know these campuses. I know these places. This is, I, I should go and be the next guy at these places. And I kept getting no's. And that, oh, we already got a guy. We already got this guy. And I, the last thing I wanted to do was to start up an RUF in a town that I didn't know much about, to a campus I'd never been to, but I had actually been here once. But that's where God led and so you can think about life. Like, I, I, why, why am I going through this? Why is this the path? Why are we struggling in this way? Why are we taking the hard road, God? But God knows where He's leading. And, and here, we don't always get the why, but God actually says, He gives an explanation. Why are they going in the, quote, opposite direction? Why are they going south toward the Red Sea, toward this obstacle? We'll get to that next week. Why are they going that way? When the path is clearly, you know, the, the most direct path is north, northeast. And their answer is, is that there are obstacles that they were not ready for. And you, and you know the story, like, what well, you did, you took them right into some obstacles, Lord. But not, those would have been too much. And the thing about that path is that it was a well-traveled trade path, and there were actually like little basis forts of Egyptian soldiers. That it was not only filled with Philistines, but the Egyptians were along the way. And if, if they had gone that way, they would have gone, all right, just take us back. This is too hard. Because the Egyptians would have found them and gathered them up and just led them right back. And they weren't ready for that kind of conflict. They were not ready for that. It, he feared. God, God knew His people and, and He knew that, that He said... We have to go the other way. What does it say? Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. They, they weren't ready for that. Um, 
What's confusing here is it says the next the next verse is that they they went out. What does it say? Uh, equipped for battle, and I actually think that that's a, not the best translation here. Because you know, think about that. It, that really doesn't fit the description we've had of the Israelites so far, does it? They they have been uh, slaves. They're brick makers. But if you're if you have this huge population that's in, you're not teaching them how to fight. They're not allowed to have weapons. And so instead of it being equipped for battle, I think really what it means is they went out in an ordered march. And I have commentators that said that. that and as we go to Numbers 2, he explains how God instructed them to leave. Like you know, they, they were to camp in a certain positions, three, three, you know, three tribes in the north, three tribes in the south, you know, in the, in the, in the east, the west, you know, south, the west, and that they, they were to pack up and leave in an ordered way. They left in the divisions and companies like a military. But they, were, they left, and again, over a million people, how do you get, get from point A to B? You've got to be organized. Chris was telling me about their camping trip. There was a, there was a effort of, of organization and intention just to get three people somewhere. Imagine uh, a million people. You've you, you got you to have some order to it. And I think that's what that means. Um, so, you know, yeah, if you read this this way, it means that God said they weren't ready for battle, but then they were equipped for battle. And you're going, what? <laughs> but they were just, they were not ready to face invading army or opposition. So, you know, think, I think back in my life, like when I thought I was ready for certain things in my life, when I thought the best, what, you know, the best call in ministry or, the, or what, or, you know, what my career should be, what, whatever it is, God always knows better. Some things I thought were best that I was ready for, I wasn't. And this is not only just having to do with where we end up or or our careers, but it, it has to do with our sanctification. Yeah, what, what is sanctification? Sanctification is the process, the work of God by which He makes us more and more holy. We more and more die to sin and live to Him. It's a process. And, and sometimes in our arrogance, we think we're ready for certain trials and tribulations. And God says, no. You haven't, you're not ready. You're, you ha- you're not really leaning into my love and my, and my graciousness yet. You're really, there's more growth you have to go through to, to enter into this trial. You know, um, you know I, I, Camille and I got married at 22. My brother, who's, you know, good-looking guy, you know, good marriage material, didn't get married until he was 25, 27. I, I should have remembered that, but I, it's somewhere in there. Uh, and... But but why? And you know, and, you know, maybe you're thinking that. Why am I not married yet? Why am I not working here yet? Why have I not gotten this job yet? Why? And it, but stop and think. Maybe, just maybe, God knows what you're ready for and what you're not. And that's not. I don't mean that as a rebuke. That's that's great comfort. That when a door closes or a window closes in your life, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, that that actually. God's doing that in love. And taking you by another path. Not just any other path, but the path that will bring you closer to Him. And He looked at Israel and says, No, you're not ready for the direct path. You're not ready for this opposition. There's some growing we need to do. I need to show you more of who I am. And He does. So, 
We know that God will take us on paths we don't we wouldn't choose for ourselves. That some of these paths are hard. Um, he's leading them where? Not hugging the coast. Who likes going to the coast, right? I mean, I love the beach. We don't. I mean, if I'm, I want, if you're going to give me desert or beach, I'm going to choose the beach every time, right? If you're going to give me coast life, you know, or in the desert, uh, in wilderness, I'm going to choose the coastal cities, and you know. But he says, no, I'm taking you to the desert. So how do we keep going? God's guiding, but how do we keep going in these desert places, in, these, in the wilderness? Where is the comfort? Where is the peace? And that brings us to the second point. That God is constant in His companionship. And we see that in verses 20 through 22. He doesn't just lead. He is present. He's present. He's with them. That just like he manifested his, himself um, in, in uh, the, 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 the burning pot w- with Abraham, just like he manifested his presence in the burning bush with Moses earlier, now he appears as this great pillar, column of cloud and fire. And it says what? That, that he, this pillar went before the people. That, I mean, I mean, who remembers life before GPS? Does anybody remember that? When you had to be able to read a map? You know the map that you can never fold back up in the way it should go? It's supposed to go in the glove box. I don't think it'll fit. That map, and you had to know it, and you had to, you had to be able to know. You had to know where you were. Now we have GPS that not only tells you where you're going, but where you are. That's a big deal. If you got lost, you had to then figure out where you actually are. Where am I now? And that was hard. But, but now we have... Okay, now imagine... Okay, they were heading southeast, a place where no... There's just not a well-traveled road, but yet they knew this was the right path because God was... They, like he, Not only there, He's everywhere, but in a special way, He existed in this column of fire and cloud. And you go... And they're not going to, by chance, start following another cloud... <laughs> You know, there's a lot of clouds up there. You know, where's this cloud going? You know, maybe that's just where the wind was going. No, this was not just a cloud. It was not a horizontal, it was a vertical cloud. That's different. And at night, it turned to flame. It glowed. And they had, they had assurance, not only of where they were going, but that God was with them. And get this, He wasn't just with them. I want you to focus on this. He went before them. He was before them. He always got there first. You ever watch? You ever watch a, a movie or a show, and it's kind of a it's a scary movie, and they're like they've got to go in this door, and they're like you go first, you know. <laughs> you go in and see what's in there, and I'll come in after, you know. You know, there's, there's some, you know, if you watch shows like that, there's at some point where they're like, no, you go, you go. I don't know who's going to go for. But here into this unknown, into the wilderness, God's always going ahead. He's leading the column. You know, um, so those of you who have been in the military, do generals and those in charge usually lead? They go, no, go over that hill. Let me know how it works out, right? <laughs> Hopefully most of you come back. We'll see. But God goes before. And again, that, how does that, 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 that's true for us too, isn't it? God's always going before us. He knows our path. He knows, not because He's, 
He's walked it before us, but actually he's, he's actually written the story. He's the author of our path. He knows, but he's, he knows what's coming up. We, I do not know what tomorrow will bring, but God does. So, you know, why worry about tomorrow? Can, I do, can you and I do anything to change it? Can, can, we, can we, just me thinking about it, worrying? It's good to have a plan, but can I actually affect and determine what's going to happen tomorrow? No, but God goes before even into the wilderness, even to the hard, hard, arid places of life. He goes before. And the most beautiful part of this, as he goes before, it says what? He says, The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. It never left. And as we keep reading this story of this journey, as they now come to the edge of the wilderness, as they enter in, this manifestation of God never departs from them. He never leaves. Every day, the pillar of cloud is there. Every day, bringing shade and leading and guiding. And every night, the pillar of fire is there, going before them as they walk through the night, Is no day, <laughs> or when they camped, the pillar was there. Hey, kids, kids in the room, who still has a nightlight? This is the ultimate nightlight. <laughs> why do we want a night? Kids, why, okay, and maybe some adults, why do you still like having a light on in the hall? It's kind of scary. Dark. And that, have you, who's, you know, one time I went out west and I camped in the desert. And we were so immature and ill prepared. We got there like at 10 o'clock. And it was a campsite, but it was too dark to camp. And actually, we were so tired, we just laid down our sleeping bags in the dark, in the desert in New Mexico, and just slept. And I woke up seeing how we, there was no protection. <laughs> It was so tired. I was, I was very unwise, okay? And I praise God that I, you know, I didn't have something, my toes eaten off or something in the middle of the night. But anyway, I woke up and going, we were completely exposed and unprotected. And I was just, it was my ignorance that helped me sleep and my just being exhausted on this road trip. But I couldn't believe it. And when I woke up going, how did, I was really exposed. Imagine being, you know, out in the middle of wilderness, pitch dark and nothing no walls, no protection. God was not only present, he was, their, he was their safety. If you were a bad guy, kids, think about it. If a bad guy is going to come and get, and get his people. If there was a huge pillar of fire in the middle of the camp, do you think the bad guys are going to come near that? We'll go on to the next group. Anyway, you know, that, that's what they're going to do. And so God, God is present. And because of his presence, they... They're sure of his guidance. He's not just going, go over the hill and let me know how it works out. He leads them and he also is with them. He's their, he's their safety. He's their security. He's their protection. And at no point did this miraculous manif- manifestation of God's presence ever leave his people. Imagine 
waking up in the morning and looking to the center of the camp and seeing God's glory, the glory cloud above the tabernacle every day. Imagine every night before you went to bed looking to the camp or looking as you marched and seeing His presence, this, 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 this glory cloud of fire going before or in your midst every day and sleeping knowing that God was with you. And some of you are going, man, I wish I had that. Phyllis anticipated me. <laughs> she said, we do. And you're like, I haven't seen no cloud. <laughs> the only vertical clouds I know of, I'm scared of, right? <laughs> I don't want to see those. But we have something better. This is God showing, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. But we have the greater manifestation of that. We have God becoming taking on flesh, becoming one of us, living as one of us. We have Jesus Christ and we have His Word. And, and, and Peter says, and when he's talking about Jesus, I've seen Jesus, but we have something better than Jesus. I have something better than the glory of Christ. You know, so you have something better than, than the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain. You have His Word. And so every morning we can get up and look to Him. Every night before we go to bed, when we're scared, we can read that we have a God who neither, never slumbers nor sleeps, a God who is faithful to His people and never, will never leave us nor forsake us. We have a, we have a Savior who, who, who has been, we have been given to our faithful King and Shepherd. And He says, no one will snatch us out of His hand. No, not ever. He never leaves us. We have something better than the pillar of cloud and fire. And we have the helper who God has sent, the Spirit, as a guarantee of our complete salvation when He comes again. We have God with us. We have the same comfort. We have Christ and the, and the, God, the good news. We have the Spirit and we have the Scriptures that the, that the Spirit helps us to understand. We have his grace, gracious, and he's gracious in his guidance. He's constant in his companionship, and finally, we can be confident in his covenant. And now we go back to the verse we skipped. And isn't this beautiful? It's kind of creepy. <laughs> if you if you read this out of context, you might be like, "That's weird." What did Moses not forget? You know, when we go on a trip, you're like, "Did I get a toothbrush?" Did I get got enough uh, underwear? We got, you, know, you know, the things you forget. Do I, have, do I have the right shoes? What did Moses make sure he took? Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. And so that this makes sense, he quotes, he goes back and almost quotes verbatim what Joseph says in the end of Genesis. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones... With you from here. What, what, what faith Joseph had. Right? God made this promise and he goes, you know, it's going to happen. And you, you take me, and this is 400 years later, you take the Egyptian sarcophagus, you take that with you. Because I know, because God said that he is going to take us back to the land 
of our fathers, the land that was promised to Abraham, and you're going to bury me alongside Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Take me with you. And Moses, in this act of faith, going, as they... Imagine, again, I, I stress out over getting six of us in the car. Okay? Imagine... You've seen God's power, you've seen His glory in the, in, the, in, the, in the plagues and His deliverance, but now you're on the road and you've got a million plus people and there is this thought of, oh, can we all get there? Is this God going to come through? This seems too big, but in an act of faith, He says, go get Joseph's bones. Because now Moses is convinced that God's going to see us all the way there. Now, I'm not, we all, if you know, you know the story, if you read ahead, what? This generation doesn't make it, and Moses doesn't make it <laughs> into the promised land. But God preserves his people, keeps his covenant, and they bury Joseph after the conquest next to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The land of promise. This thing that hadn't, you couldn't see, you couldn't even imagine how it would come about. They believed that God would, would, would do it. In this moment anyway. When they're packing up, they believed. When they get to the Red Sea, we'll find out they start to doubt. <laughs> and, and that's something too. Like you're, We're going to see... This faith of the Israelites do this. But just because the next segment, the next part of the story, they do that, doesn't mean that God's abandoned them. Doesn't mean that, that they've all just completely... They're struggling to, to, to believe what they can't see. And, and that's you and me too. But they grab the bones of Joseph. And they carried them for 40 years. Because they believed God would do what He said He was going to do. Not that it was a perfect faith. Not that the faith extended every day. They believed the same amount. But the, here's the good news for you and me. We struggle in our faithfulness. We have days of faithlessness. But God says... He is faithful even when we're faithless. And this one act of faith wasn't consistent for all the Israelites every day. But the covenant promises of God are consistent, are constant. Why was it so important for the bones to be buried there? And this is a thing that's not here in the text, and you have to, I'm not going, but what it was was. Even in the Old Testament, there was this belief that God would bless His people and be the God of His people forever and that they would live with Him forever. And, and, and as, you, as we see the redemptive story unfold, there's this, you see that there's this promise of eternal life and resurrection. And for the Old Testament believer, because it was this land of promise, the, 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 covenant, the covenant of God and the promise of God was tied to this place. And so they thought the, the way of, to receive the blessing of God and this promise of life eternal was to be in this place. 
But again, as the story of redemption unfolds, we realize that it's not just about one ethnicity and one piece of real estate. God is going to redeem everything. And this is already evidence of He believed that there would be a blessing from God, life after death, and it was important to be present with His people. How does this apply to you and me? Here it is. God faithfully leads us on the right path, whether we can see it or not. Whether, regardless of our judgment, regardless of we think it's right or wrong, we, we want the most direct way, but God's going to always lead you on the right path. And He's always going to provide comfort by His presence. Not that your circumstances will always be ideal. Not that our circumstances and the events of life will always uh, bring comfort. But God will be our comfort. God is present with us. And here's the final thing. Because His his Word is true, He will bring us all the way home. And that's what Moses believed. That's what Joseph believed. And that's what you and I can believe by the help of the Spirit. But because of the presence of God, we can look to the Scripture and realize that He will not leave us and He will bring us into His presence. And we know that because of the greater God with us, the greater manifestation of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came, He lived, He died, and death nor the devil could not contain Him. He is the victor. He is the champion. And because of that, we know life, eternal life through Him is possible. And it will be a forever life with God. He who calls us is faithful and He will surely do it. He who called us who, who called us will also who justified us will also be glorified by Him. He who loved His own loved them to the utmost, to the end. That is the promise of God and Jesus has kept that promise for us and will never leave us nor forsake us. Um, This is about Israel, but we are the true Israel. We are His people. Um, Struggling Fearful of the future at times, anxious about the future. But this truth that we see here is true for us. God is leading, God goes before us, and He's with us, and He will bring us to Himself. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You for this, Your Word, and we pray that this intro to this section of of Exodus would, would, would stay with us, and we would believe these things and hold on to these things. And Lord, that you and the, and, the, and, the, and the night and the darkness, the darkness of life, that we would recon- see the, the light of the gospel, the light of Christ, through the word, through the love of our friends, the love of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be comforted by your presence, by your sovereign love, and um, by your, your covenant faithfulness. Um, Be with us now as we partake of this
this meal, your supper. Help it to drive these truths home. Um, and Lord, um, strengthen our faith as we, as we follow you through the wilderness way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.